For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Adjacent. You're listening to the Sports Adjacent. Okay, I like that. I just learned something new today. Adjacent. With Jason Leisure and Russell Dorsey on the House of L Network. We're doing everything I dreamed of as an adjacent. Oh man, we're gonna have a good show today, man. Uh, Russ and I are <laughs> Russ and I are worried about the show today. I this am show ready. is heavy. I am this show. ready to get canceled, baby. His, his, nah, nah, Tony. Uh, I saw a dude just lose seventy million dollars today. I don't. I don't make nearly as much as that, so I'm not yeah. trying to get canceled, sir. No, that's not what we're worried about. We're worried about that today's show is going to be. It's Russ, heavy, a, bro. Like we had a pre-production meeting without you, which uh, actually, Russ, I think we should do more. Um, Makes sense. Seems to be more productive. Hundred uh, percent. We're, but we we're like, boy, at least some part of today's show is fun because mm-hmm. we neither of us set out to do a show about racism, but it's like an all you can eat buffet of racism this week. <laughs> buffet of racism. I mean, there's nice. more racism than you there's more racism than we can fit on our plate. We, we yeah, we can't fit it all on the plate. This is like the golden corral of racism this week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like you can go back for seconds, thirds. Yeah. This is one of those. Should we warn? Should we warn the audience, like uh, with a disclaimer? No, we want to do it right now. Hey, audience, there is a lot of racism on today's show, not from us, but from but from the rest of the world. They know what they're getting into when they listen to the show. I think, but we did, but we didn't set out to do that kind of. We no. didn't want our podcast to be that. We never wanted the world just been wild since the last time we all spoke. <laughs> the world yeah. has been well, going crazy over the last seven days. And in general, over the last seven or eight months since we started this, it's just been like a fire hydrant of racism with a little bit of COVID foolishness mixed in for just, you know, just for just the right recipe. Um, well, let's start this, the show. Then, let's wait, start the I, show then, there. But, let's but then let's this, start the show on that downer. But then this week, like, they threw some, let's throw some homophobia in there. Like, it's it's a lot. Like, if, if, to mix if it up. you're a people group, if you're a people group, you got you got a little taste of it this week. So, um, welcome to Sports Adjacent. <laughs> I am Russ Dorsey, uh, along with my main man Jason Leisure and Tony Gill on the boards, take care of our audio as always. Um, full week, man, full show. But before we get to it, as always, our podcast sponsored by Obvious Shirts. Uh, if you would like to get shirts from our collection the wonderful Chicago sports and even some other markets that they have over there at obvious shirts, go on their website, obviousshirts.com. You can use our promo code adjacent 10, get 10% off and you already get free shipping. A lot Jason, of bears, a lot of bears shirts on there, Russ, a lot of Justin field shirts that I think people are going to want. Justin is uh, he's winning games, man. He's winning games. They gave him the key since the last time we spoke. And uh, I am for one, very happy. I was surprised because I I expected that Matt Nagy was going to be cornered into having to start him against the Raiders, but I was not expecting Matt Nagy to fully come to his senses 
and see what everyone has been telling him for however many months that you you got this wrong and you need to you need to play the guy you need to play the rookie the potential is so high there compared to Andy Dalton who is long past the time of talking about potential um before we just take this show down a sad and miserable tour through the week in racism that's a new segment this week in racism this, this week in racism and uh the segment's an hour and 15 minutes long it's actually the entire show and then we finish with some animal news and you're on your way uh <laughs> right <laughs> I want to talk about something you've been making fun of me for, and uh, and I don't know why, yeah. but you seem very sure of yourself in doing this. Um, you are fascinated by the fact that I have a lot of unread texts at any given time. The little number on the text icon on my phone is like 40, 50, 60, somewhere in that range. Let me see what it is now, just to give you a real-time update. 29, 29, so about that half is- of what what it was earlier. That is serial killer behavior. Why? Why are you so obsessed with this? You What's should not. You cares? should not have. You should not have that many unread text notifications. Because why? What does it mean about? What does it say about me? That that just that would just give me so much like oh like you got to nobody clear that likes out. notifications. Nobody likes right. Nobody likes to see all these alerts on your phone. That's like weird. clear that out, man. Like what is wrong? Either with you? you're a serial killer or extreme narcissist. That like, is how would I get all the serial people? killer? How would I like these because, are all texts from people who are like, please don't serial kill me, and I ignored it and went and serial killed them? Like, what, what does that mean? I understand you're busy. I get it. Because sometimes I can't read all my text messages either. You don't even but want to at know some how many point unread the day, emails I have. At some point of the day, I'm gonna read those text messages. Yeah. Like the most that I'll have text notifications is like four. And that's when you guys are going back and forth and I don't see it because I t- put my phone down and go to the bathroom or something like I could never let my text notifications get past four or five, dude. Like, that's craziness. Well, some of it I either don't need to reply to or it came not every text needs a reply, but or it came like during a game or during work or during something else. And I didn't answer it at the time and then forgot Sometimes I leave it unread because I have read these messages. They all flash up on your phone. But, but you then, can't. But I'm like, okay, Russ, sh- Russ texted me something. I want to make sure I get back to that. So I have to leave that unread so that I notice it. So it has the little blue dot next to Russ's name. So I know to reply to that. Well, Do you have a lot of blue dots. Do you have a big problem of me not returning your texts? <laughs> me? No, it's not okay. me. It's just all the right. fact that that seems crazy that you leave that because you're gonna you're gonna go you're gonna open up your phone you're gonna go to text messages and you're gonna see all those messages right there with the blue dot so yeah. just go through and clear those joints out like i don't see like what are Some they of, like what are they like they're not just all one and dones okay well it turned out like half of it because i sent you earlier today a screen cap of my phone and it, how many did it have do you think was it 60 or 41 something? it was like 41 41 okay and like half of those were lift notifications that I somehow get as text and I don't know how to stop like that. A lift is picking you up. <laughs> right. So when I deleted that, it cut it in half, but there's other, there's a lot. I'm looking through this now and there's, there's a few on here that are what you're describing where it's a text thread with friends. And if I have a text thread with five other friends, I, they don't necessarily need me part of every conversation. Sometimes it's like they're having their conversation and, 
if I don't chime in, that's fine. And when I go and click a uh, tap on that later and read it, it's going to, that's going to be like 12 or 15 of my missed texts, isn't it? I just don't want to see can, that. You right. can mute those. Yeah. Put those on do not just disturb where you'll never see the note like you're the red number them. won't keep going up. You can mute it and they won't know that you're not getting the notifications for it. And you can jump in and out whenever you want to. Here's one from Herb Lawrence that just says, yes, sir, which I'm pretty sure was in response to me asking him what time I was coming on with Lawrence. What's so, what's so serial killer about having that leap, forgetting to delete that message or, or read that. I read it when it came onto my phone. I can read it right now. It just says, yes, sir. I know exactly. Even, even if once it comes up to the phone, if you, you it takes two seconds, down, you can click it. Yeah. You yeah. Can, or hold it and it pops you up. You can hold that, it. You hold it. That's a red. And it, it counts as red. Come on, man. Are you a zero I inbox call you guy old. too? Do you have do you have a bunch of unread emails near or do you get that down to zero? I get that down to zero. I don't keep oh, them. I don't I don't I don't let it get to that point where I have a thousand unread emails. I have two hundred and seventy seven right now. You're definitely you have bodies in your house, bro. You kill people. You kill people, bro. Like, well, I don't know how on. you make the I don't know how you make the leap from unread text to that, but anyway. That is serial killing. And this baby. is you know what's funny? This 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 seems like the opposite of what Jason is in real life. Because in real life, he's very clean, very organized, orderly, yes. very orderly. Like his digital space life is so cluttered. Well, other parts of my life are cluttered too. And I'm like a self-hating cluttered person. Like I want so badly to be neat and organized in and like almost militaristic in how I organize my life and, and my space and everything. But like my nightstand right now next to my bed is a disaster. It's just got stuff on there that doesn't need to be on there. It, it, not, I don't mean like oh, that, no. Russ. You yeah, said that. No, 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 you brought no. I'm, I, I'm assuming you mean you no, have like a children's a toys. Of, I meant I meant toys that do, like children left there. Why do you? Yo, you're, you're, you're going into it. You're going into an area. I didn't. I was gonna say you probably have some books, a magazine, glass of water, a plate, a fork. Oh, no, 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 I'm no, a no, 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 no. I right, never Tony, have. Stay, a, Tony, mute yourself. Mute yourself. I never have a glass I don't of water need you here. I never have any kind never of have water. Open, Never an open drink on the nightstand because I'll knock that thing flat and electrocute myself. It'll go down onto the, the little power strip <laughs> down there that I plug the phone charger and, right. and everything else into. Like, no, no, no. You can never have an open thing. My wife drives me nuts because my wife has this really bad habit with, like, bottled water of not capping it. And I'm just That'll like, why open. Why would you do that to yourself? Because you, somebody might knock it over. We have kids, but I knock stuff over sometimes. And thank God when I knock over a bottle of water that I left laying around, I've secured so that I don't have to clean up that mess. But so anyway. here's here's my thing, Jason. Like, so you, I, I can't, I, I got, I, I have to build. So you have all these. You're so bothered by this. You're so I am bothered because like I, I would open my phone and see that and be like, I can't, I have to get rid of these. I'm trying to think of anything about you. Other, Wait, than you've seen, you've other than your love life that concerns me as much as you're concerned about this. Let's, you shouldn't be concerned about that either. <laughs> but I'm just, 
like so you you've come been in my house you've seen like i have a i yes. a very organized and absolutely home. you do yes and that yes. matches how i am about like my emails my text because yes. it's like you know in our business people a lot of people are contacting us like at all times a lot of emails a lot of texts and because of that like i need to keep track of who's called me texted me emailed me what it's for and then i can read it and then decide if i need to respond or not so i can read the text message and never respond to it but i don't want to have to see the little red bubble on my messages every time somebody texts me all right well i will go through even though it'll be about 1 a.m by the time we finish this and try to answer (laughs) all these texts okay there's so many that texts would. on here that don't even need an answer. There's just so many texts. You don't. Like, I'm not saying respond. I'm just saying get rid of the 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 number. No, I'm gonna respond to all of them. I'm be like, I'm gonna go to this Herb Lawrence te- that Herb Lawrence text like a week old though, uh, and be like, hey, Russ told me I had to get back to you and say thanks for saying. No, like, yes. would you like to know? Would you like to know when was the oldest text that is unread? Let me see if I can find that. It's gonna make me more mad. <laughs> Ooh, there's one from September 13th. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably it. Yeah. September 13th. There's an unread text from almost a month ago at the time that we're recording this. Can we talk about something else? No, I think I need our audience to know that you are part time sports reporter, part time serial killer. I don't think this is fair of you to be upset about because I you don't have this issue with me. This is not an issue where I don't respond to texts of yours that need it's a reply. It's not about responding. Well, if you That's ask me something missing. about the business or, or, or even like friendship question. I, I'm pretty sure I'm good about responding to that. It's these these people who, like Herb Lawrence, who should be upset at me. <laughs> it's not about responding. Like, I need you to just forget about that. It's about the fact that you are so unorganized and you just have a lack of care for the, the, the fact that these things keep building up and building up and building up and building up. I know. And you have this ridiculous number of text messages and also emails, as we find out, yes. stacking up. You have browbeaten me. Life like that. You have browbeaten me into like revealing my soul here, which is that I it I'm bothered too by this, but I can't stop it. Like that's part of <laughs> perfectionism is like you insist on yourself being perfect, and then when you're not, inevitably, you are like hard on yourself about it and judge yourself for it. And that's something I that I deal to... with in all facets of my life, friend. Listen, buddy, I just don't want you to live like this. All right. I don't want to either, Russ. I don't want to either, but I can't help it. That's what I appreciate the intervention. I appreciate the intervention. I was in Vegas this weekend. I know that Tony has never been to Vegas. Have you ever been to Vegas, Russ? I have. I was going to say Vegas seems like a place you'd like. I think you'd be (laughs) And and why is that? No, 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 no. That's not a shot. I think you'd have a good time. I, I like. I Vegas. never know. I never know on this podcast what's a shot and what's not. No, that's a shot, fair. So I gotta. Ask. That's no, that's very fair. That's very fair. I love Vegas actually, and I'm not a gambler. I'm because I'm too afraid to be honest. I'll just tell you, I am too scared to lose all my money, and I am also not a big partier or drinker. But I still love Vegas. I used to come out here every year. I'd never been to Vegas, but I used to come out every year to cover NBA Summer League, and that's at the worst possible time of year to be out in Vegas in July. It's like 112 during the day. And, but I was like, I, I kind of like it. Cause I lived in Miami at the time and it's like not any worse than Miami in July, to be honest with you. Um, so like the weather's pretty good. 
The restaurants are awesome. The hotels are awesome. It's a pretty good show. Every the hotels kind of and casinos kind of like compete with each other, try to one up each other. And uh, Vegas is back, man. The pandemic is definitely over in Vegas. It was slammed this weekend. It was like nothing else. Uh, it was the same as any other time I've ever been here. And then I was here. I was in Vegas. It's a big weekend. It was. It was the fight, and uh, it was also the Bears game out in Vegas, and just I think Vegas in general. Draws right. a big crowd on any given weekend. Uh, and by the way, nobody could get out of Vegas this morning. Uh, I don't know if you heard about your airline's little computer. Hey, relax, glitch. relax. I, <laughs> listen, man, we're not going to go there. I'm trying to blame we're it on the weather in Florida. Like, you don't, you listen, cancel man. thousands of flights nationwide. 1,200 flights. It's the weather in Florida. Anyway, <laughs> it's, listen, uh, it's neither here nor there. I'll tell you, though, Vegas on a Monday morning. After that weekend is ex- it like it follows the mood of the people. Vegas this morning was dead flat, hungover, like nobody's out and about. People at the airport, my goodness, man! Like you and I interact with airline employees a ton. Between mm-hmm. count people at the counter, people that handle your luggage, flight attendants, uh, gate agents, especially. I, I can't imagine a worse place to be a gate gate agent than Vegas because of the volume of people coming in and out and like the drunkenness at the airport because everybody's trying to squeeze the last few drops out of their Vegas trip. It did get me wondering, I was thinking about this today. I was thinking, I like Vegas. I don't think I would want to bring my wife and kids out here because it's crazy how often I see kids here and I'm like, there's nothing here for them. For you. Yeah. Yeah. Other, I mean, go sit, go sit uh, up in the room and watch the iPad while he plays blackjack with your college fund. Um, but and and I, I think my wife would like the hotels and stuff here, but she's not a big gambler, partier, and any of that. Like you can t- go to other places for nice hotels. You can go to Florida, California, Caribbean, Mexico, whatever. Uh, but I was thinking of all the friends that I have, who would be the person I'd want to go on a Vegas trip and I, with, and I think it's you. I think going to Vegas with you would be absolutely the perfect friend to go to Vegas with because I, I agree. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was about to compliment you, but go ahead. No, no, no. Continue. Continue. You're on the right track. I haven't had you- this in a while on this podcast, so I, I want to hear <laughs> Russ compliments for once. <laughs> we, the whole last show was the opposite of that, I think. Russ, by exactly. the way, for those of you listening, had start at least one text on our th- on our three-person thread this past week with all capital letters. Tony, this does not go on the pod. <laughs> we have to. You have and to. And it still might. It still know. might. Give, give, it, I know. give it half an hour. Give it half an hour, and we'll see where we're at tonight, Russ. Uh, but I was thinking you're very classy. So you would like a lot of the stuff that I like, Vegas. Uh, mm-hmm. you would, you would be fun, but not reckless because mm-hmm. you have some, some friends are too fun for Vegas. There are some I friends that would love Vegas too much. And, you know, some, you have to have some level of, of, adult. there were people that were about to miss their flights, um, today in the airport this morning, Russ, if they hadn't had an adult with them, uh, like a wife usually is the one straightening that out. It would also, Tony, um, I think going to Vegas with Russ would be like a live viewing of my favorite TV show. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know that I would be Russ's wingman, but I would definitely be a specter <laughs> in the arena. I also think that Russ would, uh, I think, I think if necessary, Russ could make sure and would make sure that I got back to my room. Which yeah, I don't. I don't think 
I don't think I would need that, but you should always have somebody in your group that can make sure everyone gets back to their room. Now, I'm going to, there's a caveat to that. You're right. hundred percent. I would. You get yeah. that once. You get to play that card once on the trip. You don't get to pull that twice. That's fair. I think I think that's fair. You know, like first night you have a little too much. Hey man, I'm gonna drag you to this lift. We gonna I'm a hey, where's your key at? Give me your key. I'm gonna throw you in. Hey man, you're good. You sound like you've done you, this before. Hey man, you sound like it twice, man. What? What? Yeah. What's What's your room number, buddy? What's your room number? Right. Yeah. Listen, man. You, you You have a couple of those. Um, but you get that once a trip. Like you, you yeah. don't get to get to have it every day because I'm. I need to enjoy myself too, and I That's will. Fair. I'll be damned if I'm gonna miss out on a good time because you couldn't handle your two gin and tonics. And also, I wouldn't want to ruin somebody. I would imagine the guilt that I'd feel for ruining your Vegas trip. Oh, I wouldn't let you forget it. I did get sick once in Vegas, and not from drinking. It was from something I ate at the Cosmopolitan, and uh, it. I, I don't know that it was anything wrong with the food. Or if it just kind of whatever it was in the, that it didn't sit well in my stomach. And so I was kind of nauseous. And man, there is not a worse place to be nauseous than the Vegas Strip in the middle of summer. Because that walk, at first off, every block in Vegas is a mile long. So that walk through the heat back to your ho- back to your hotel, I mean, the smells, the lights, the sounds, the crowds of people. Like, you, you, I was lucky to make it back without, you know, contributing to the mess, let's just say. But I started to think, after I was thinking about what it would be like to go to Vegas with you, I started to think about what it might be like with Tony. Do you have any imagination, Russ, of what Vegas with Tony would be like? Tony, who I believe to this point has been to the exotic locations of Orlando, Atlanta, and uh, Elgin. <laughs> I, I think it would be cool for Tony because Tony's going to get out to Vegas and he's going to be like, oh, man, this is out here? This is out here? Oh, man. Street Usher walking? doing a show out here? Okay. Let's go see Usher. <laughs> you know? And he'll go He'll go to that first buffet at yeah. one of the casinos, and he will lose his mind. So you're and, comparing it to, like, taking an Amish person to Vegas? Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> Tony's going to be the person. He's going to, like, I can have steak and lobster, and I can come back. And then he's going to be having his steak underneath, the like, the chocolate fountain. Just he can. Like, it doesn't make sense, but he can. And so then you have Tony with this plate. You might be right. Steak under the chocolate fountain, acting like a kid. But that would be fun, though, to see Tony in that environment, steak in hand with chocolate all over it. He won't eat it, but he just wants to know that he can do it. Tony, how do you think you would fare in Las Vegas? Uh, That sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I know my friend, man. I, I was thinking along those lines. I, I was thinking it would be a lot for him, having never been. It, it, Vegas is a unique place. You don't have to love Vegas to admit that there. there's not another city like Vegas, really, in our country. And I think that if Tony, if you came here with Tony, I think it would start out very cautious and very safe. It would be, and then it would swing wildly the other direction once he'd been here for a few hours. I, I picture the trip to Vegas with Tony. I picture it starting out with him saying some old man thing like, hey, guys, nothing good happens after midnight. You know, and then let, let's go see when that's yeah, everyone knows that everything good happens after midnight. Uh, I, Tony would be like, let's go see Cirque du Soleil. Let's get a nice, quiet dinner. Let's be back in the room by 1159. And then I think, let, uh, you know, 4 a.m. He's like, hey, have you guys tried ecstasy? Oh, my God. <laughs> No, I wouldn't I wouldn't let Tony. I'd be very protective of Tony and I'd be like, 
Get that ecstasy out of here, Mr. <laughs> Weird Shady Club Dude. Get out. Move. All right. Tony, don't be dry, even talking to random dudes in people. clubs. Yeah, Tony would be. No people. Hey, Ooh, hey, hey, he got the hey, blood sugar over there. That's that's coke. They doing coke over there. <laughs> and then everybody turn around and it's like, Tony, all right, let's go back to the hotel because you're ruining <laughs> Not for me, I, but I, for them. I think you'd have trouble getting him there. You'd have trouble getting him to kind of like let his guard down and have a good time. But then he'd have way too good of a time and you'd have your hands full. The funniest part of that is I just thought about it. Tony's 100% right. He wouldn't say they're doing coke. He would definitely be like, ooh, they're doing a boogie sugar. <laughs> <laughs> we have a guest. We have an author, former journalist, and friend of ours, Evan Moore, who we used to work yes, with at the Sun Times. Welcome to Sports Adjacent, Evan Moore. Uh, thanks, y'all. Uh, longtime uh, fan and and listener, and when Tony uh, gets in his bag on this show, I just think about all the times and that uh, I see him uh, doing things. And I'm gonna let him know when I sign his book. I'm gonna let him know some of the research for the book was done at an actual library, the Newberry Library. So, see, exactly. thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> excellent callback, Evan. Yes, excellent very good back. to Tony. Uh, his longtime opposition to libraries. Tony, you're gonna you're gonna notice that all of your smart friends. Uh, are really disappointed in you about your whole anti-library. And by the way, it's not just anti-library, Evan. It extends to anti-knowledge in a lot of cases. <laughs> yes, Tony, anti-learning. Tony, Tony told know, me by not, know, by not knowing more about things, it makes his aches spicier, which is true. I mean, that's kind of an untethered way to live for me. We have Evan Moore on uh, because we like him and we like his work. And that's so cool that you like our show. Thank you. But we have you on really the, the top here is Game Misconduct, his book with Joshvina Shah about mm-hmm. hockey's toxic culture and how to fix it. I got to be honest with you. Uh, I ordered this book and I had fully intended to have read it before you came on. And I did not. I read about half of it, which I think is pretty good for me. You don't really know how bad of a reader I am. But I started reading. I got it right before I uh, went out to Vegas for the Bears game, Evan. And uh, mm-hmm. reading it on the plane, but then, like, once I got here, it, people don't really go to Vegas and read. You know what I mean? Uh, not at all. I've been a few times, so I, yeah. I get it. Like, <laughs> I'm like a hundred something pages in, so I, I've, I have at least about half of the idea here. And uh, I, I noticed that the racism chapter is very long. It seems like thing that's a problem in hockey. Oh, yeah, the world. Uh, and everywhere else too, but <laughs> oh, that's going to yeah. be our whole show today, Evan. It's a we have a, an all-you-can-eat buffet of racism to choose from. This is um, the golden corral of racism. Yes, uh, this this yeah. chat this segment about your book is going to be like the the you know this won't even be the most racism we talk on the show. There's plenty more to come. Don't worry, everybody, buckle in. Uh, tell us about game misconduct. You you wrote in here about. Uh, having to go against the culture of hockey to be a fan of it. You love the sport. Um, I, hockey at large looks at you as a black fan of hockey as kind of an oddity, kind of a unicorn. You, you said you wrote in there that black people also kind of mock you at times for being a hockey fan. It, mm-hmm. You must really love it because it sounds like a lot of work for you to love hockey. Yeah, when I think about it, um, yeah, because – 
you know, growing up, you know, like I kind of hit that fandom. I kept kind of kept that fandom myself, but I also grew up in a household where you can pretty much, you know, be what you want. You know, my mother and father, like I said, are CPS educated, retired CPS. Ed- Mom was is a Trekkie and the science fiction. My dad was into holistic medicine and, and racquetball and you know all types of you know different things. And we would always track because they had weekends off and summers off. We traveled to different places, and it was it was always. I mean, when I started to become a fan, you know, I watched the game like this is like it's I'm dating myself. I saw the '88 Olympics and the '88 Cal- Calgary Winter Olympics, and I was like, man, this is dope. This is this sport is. You know, it seems really fast, but it's also, you know, kind of dangerous and everything else. So, you know, in my household, it was it was you know normalized to the quote unquote, you know, like whatever you want. But to answer your question, you know, yeah, you do get that sometimes. You get the whole Uncle Tom thing. You get why you like that white boy sport, why you doing this and why you doing that. And, you know, that comes to a place of people not knowing any better, you know, because, you know, you think of hockey, you think of colored hockey league up in Nova Scotia and many of the things that you see in the sport today, like the slap shot and the butterfly style of goal of goaltending came from that league. So uh, I always tell people, Hey, we invented this sport. So I mean, I'm, so you, you know, that part of black history, what that say about you is I look at it. Like the mess of people a little bit about that. Like, oh, for real? like that. So <laughs> yeah, it's always, it's always a, you know, been a thing. I mean, over the years, you know, people are kind of like, oh, that's cool. Or, you know, it's it's a little bit off for them, but also they're kind of like, you know, hey, you're doing something constructive at least. <laughs> yeah. It's sad for me as a fan just of sports in general, because I imagine what you love about hockey is what I enjoy so much about hockey. And I didn't play hockey. I'm, I don't, I'm not an expert in hockey, but I love watching hockey, especially live. It's fantastic. It is so fast. It is nonstop. There's so little breaks and play unlike the other sports these guys the, the athleticism this requires to play hockey russ is such that these guys play like a minute or two and then they come off that's all the longer a shift is but i always right. think evan i always think when i when i recommend hockey do you know when i say something right now to one of my black friends about hey you, this is pretty good to watch like this is you're gonna really like this sport i'd always and and i think of that uh that famous tweet uh was the guy's name Tony X, I think, who tweeted yeah, yeah. like, hey, white people have been hiding the sport from us. The sport's lit. But I always think when I when I say something like that to a black friend, it, there's some hesitation on my part because I'm like, there's a pretty good chance when you get there, you're going to feel kind of uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like uh, bringing up Tony X is pretty cool because he's actually in the book. So it's uh... I read that part. That's <laughs> yeah, part of the part that I read. Yeah, we got we got him in there. So that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's. Yeah, there's times where I've been at the rink, I mean, either going to a game or even playing where, you know, you just, it didn't happen anymore. But at first, you can just literally feel people, like, staring at you. You know, you're just like, well, I mean, what's, what's the problem, man? We're in the – I can see if this happened in Wisconsin or, like, North Dakota or, or something like that. But we're in the Chicago area. Like, it's, chances are you've seen a black person. You know, like, yeah. so it's – yeah, so we – you know, like, uh, I was talking about my man Clint, Clinton Dates on his podcast. It was like, yeah, Leo – in Chicago, you know, black people do everything, so you should you shouldn't be surprised, you know. So yeah, it's right. that kind of a little bit of that. So, but yeah, you know, it's, when talking to other folks around, around when stuff happens, and you know, they're like, well, they're not really surprised when these racial incidents happen in the sport, and and that's that's a deterrent for them. And some of the stuff we do talk about in the book is honestly about you know, like why so many you know white sports fans gravitate to the sport and so. For a lot of folks, 
not a lot, I'll say some, it's a repudiation of the NBA and the and the, and the um right and the NFL. So it's we get into a lot of that because I feel like I'm one of the few people that kind of follows the <laughs> the NBA and the NHL, you know, like um pretty uh pretty good. And cause as we know, you know, hockey season and basketball season, you know, around the same time. You got the Stanley Cup final and then you got the NBA finals and you start to I started kind of seeing some of the stuff that will sell over time, especially on sports radio, are some of these dudes will get really, really mad that the black that the Bulls will get coverage. Like you're in Chicago, a little basketball mecca. Like, of course, we're gonna talk. We've seen a lot of these guys like sent the, like friends to Derrick Rose. We've literally have seen him. He's been a public eye since he's in seventh grade. We all know where he went to grammar school. Bees. We all know we went definitely went to high school. Simeon. You can't really say that for a hockey player locally, right? I, my question for you, Evans, because I, I grew up in a household where obviously black family. My mom is from Detroit, so grew up watching the Red Wings growing up. My dad is from here, grew up watching those Blackhawks teams in the early 60s that were so good. And so for me growing up, and I grew up in the golden era of, of hockey here in Chicago where Kane and Taves were coming up when I was a young boy, you know what I mean? And, and really mm-hmm. growing with those teams and not only knowing the Blackhawks, but knowing hockey around the league. And for me, it was going to a majority white high school where when the Hawks got really good and were going to cups, I was knowing not only players on the Hawks, but players on the other teams and people were looking at me like, yo, what is, this is a different dude. And for me, it was just like, I I love the sport. Like, I love sports in general. Obviously, it's what I do. But like you guys were talking about, like, hockey is such a dope sport. Um, watching guys flying around, the strategic element, the power play, like how things have to go perfect, the tic-tac-toe pass on a three-on-one break, like different stuff like that is so awesome. And knowing how much you love the sport, obviously hearing about some of the things that you've gone through as a fan and, and some of the looks that you get and some of the feelings that you've gotten at different ranks in different places, was there a moment where you're just like, this, this is why I need to write this book. Or was it just a culmination of everything you had gone through and you found the perfect partner and like, Hey, we should really talk about this. That's well, a good question. There's a few questions in there. So I'll try to answer the best I can. Um, I've been covering the sport one way or another, you know, for different outlets over time. And, you know, sometimes in the freelance game, you know, like um, sometimes your know, story get killed and, you know, you have all this information that doesn't get, doesn't get utilized. And, and other times you'll be writing a story and you kind of have what you need. You already filed it, but people still reach out to you, you know, after the fact. So I had all this information and I had met Josvina. Um, we had talked online before and like, I had been on her podcast and, we had met in person when I was like stringing and doing like the, the, the frozen four, which was that for the daily Herald was at the United center this particular year. And she was in town because her college hockey is no more. So her thing. So yeah, like uh, I remember seeing a tweet from her basically saying like, Hey, someone's to pay me to, to write a hockey culture book. And I had those same thoughts. And I DM'd her. I was like, look, Hey, like I saw that tweet, like, you know, what do you feel? What do you feel about, you know, a collaboration, we can make this work. And, you know, she was with it. And, you know, it was, it was so many events. I mean, that I can think of over time, like that kind of sticked out to me, like that would happen. Like obviously 
you know, like the, the most recent years with John, uh, not John McVie's book, but that's another thing. But with De- Devontae Smith-Pelly at the United Center and like right. this, you know, um, <clears throat> thinking Fans about were chanting basketball at him. Right. They're thinking about, you know, that happened during hockey's quote unquote hockey is for everyone like month happened in February, which is also Black History Month. And knowing, you know, how chanting basketball and hockey culture is, you know, you know, their version of the N word. And even seeing photos from that night, we actually have one of the photos in in the in, in the book. And if you look, you see see that photo, you see, you know, these you know fans like yelling stuff at them and like laughing. And you see these kids laughing and with their cell phones and everything else. You're just kind of wondering what those kids take from that night. You know, what what they did they know what the what was going on or or you know or they were just like you know this is hilarious. And you think about that, like all the things you can say someone to someone in the penalty box. You know that would be cho- that would be twelve to say, like a bunch of grown grown adults decided, hey, yo, let's be racist right now. You know, like that's how they went about right. it. You know, right. so that's I have no sympathy for those folks, and I was I was glad to put that photo in the book so everybody can see it. Did you hear when he said grown, and then there was a pause, and he said adults? There, that's it. I'm that, telling that's you, Evan, that's media Evan training. More- that's the press secretary. That's the press secretary right there. I myself sometimes. I kind of known for being like loose in some areas with that, but I've, uh, you know, I've, uh, you know, um, been really, uh, you know, um, intentional about how what I say and how I do it. You know, not even before I took the CPS job. It was even before because, you know, it's kind of part of who I was, and I just kind of like say things that I said. But other times, you just, it's you know best to use other words we can say what you really want to say. I wish so badly that you would mentor my friend Tony Gill. The book is Game Misconduct. Because we know you do. I, I, there's no effect, there's no evidence that he has that Evan has mentored him in any way to this point. I have not seen any evidence of it. So not that he hasn't been doing it, but there's been no result to that yet. And no, well, I just kind of asked questions and I was like, oh, all right. Uh, I, remember, <laughs> I, I remember we went to we we had this thing with Dwayne Junk on Twitter for a long time with me, Lawrence on dancing golf and him. You know, we called it Brothers for Hockey, you know, and we finally, like, went to a game. You know, I know Sarah just would have texted you all, and, you know, I'm sitting next to Tony, and we're at a game, and, you know, the bunch of people, you know, like, you know, Herb Lawrence, Tia Taylor, and um, Rick Camp, uh, I was there, too, and so, um, even though it was Brothers for Hockey, but, you know, Rick ended up going, too, so. It's a loose title. We didn't, we didn't really say, like, we weren't, like, no, no white folks allowed or anything right, like that. Right. You know, like, it's very inclusive. It's a very inclusive. Yeah, it's, it's inclusive. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. So, I remember games going on. I'm telling Tony a couple of things, and I'm like, yeah, Jonathan Taves, he's the center, and I'm explaining what the center does. And out of nowhere, he cuts me off and says, like, Shaq? I'm like, no. So, um, <laughs> so I just kind of like, yeah, that's like Tony, man. You just <laughs> Some people think it's an act or something, but as I've gotten to know him over time, this is like how he is. It's like it's uh, it makes you it makes you it makes you want to fight this man. As as his friend, like you just want to put hands on him. But you just like you love him, yes. so you don't, but you really want to. God bless you for t- taking him somewhere, anywhere in the first place, but especially <laughs> a hockey game. You know, like a lot of people don't know, like Evan saw me from the beginning, like of all this. Like he's one of the very few people that saw me from the very, very beginning. It's like him, Eugene, and Terrence Tomlin are like in like Cheryl Ray. I had only people that saw me from the beginning of this and from to now. And 
Um, Evan's my friend, like for real. Go ahead and apologize <laughs> to all those folks. <laughs> Go ahead and apologize right now. So, you know what? Right. When I, you know, like when he, uh, when I went to to see the uh, uh, we're at Nice Lounge and a bunch of other people was there, and like he shows up wearing his own t shirt with his lady. I'm just like, all right, all right this is <laughs> this is this is different now. This is <laughs> a different cat, man. Speaking of which, speaking of which, so that means. Uh, by the way, Evan, are you aware that now he is often going by Anthony instead of Yeah, Cody? I saw that email. I was like, yeah. was like this spam. I'm like, oh, this guy's like extra now. Okay, I see. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now. All right. That's uh <laughs> that's that was not Tony's decision. Um Russ, that means I guess like what Tony and Evan are telling us is that like the Tony Gill that you and I became friends with was like the polished version of Tony Gill. Absolutely not. Because if this is I mean, Paul, that's amazing. Hill, I like that's why I told him to apologize to Evan and our my guy Gene and my guy Terrence and Cheryl Ray. Because yeah. if this is polished Tony Gill or polished Anthony, unpolished Anthony, my lord. Evan, let me let me let, the, the book is Game Misconduct. You can Amazon, you can get it on anywhere else uh, where they sell books. Let me ask you a hockey question that's not about race. Okay. Do you ever we, we you have these conversations in other sports a lot of times like about could LeBron play tight end? Uh, could what, what kind of soccer player might Kobe Bryant have been? How good would we be as a country at soccer if some of our basketball players, some of our best athletes, played soccer? Who are some athletes that you look at from other sports and say, "Oh man, if so and so played hockey, I can't even imagine what they'd be." Man, I start off with uh Russell Westbrook. I mean, it's this is someone who's that 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 mentality, man. Like he's a dog. Like he gets after it. And you know, we talk about how you know Derrick Rose was one way. He was kind of like another hand in terms of like kind of chill, like just looking around. And you see, you know, Russ was you know he liked to mix it up, you know. And I think it'll be him. I think you know Draymond Green will be a good one. What would you have? Well, Draymond, you'd have playing deep. He'd be an enforcer, wouldn't he? I think he would be. Yeah, he, he that's yeah, he, he's a big talker too, so he he'd enjoy that. What do you have playing? Westbrook. Uh man, I probably have him left wing. Okay. I don't left wing. Yeah. Who else? Who goalie? Is there like a shortstop or somebody or a catcher where you're like that guy, that guy could be a goalie? I think Wilson Contreras could be a good one. Uh, he's a uh, see like he's someone good that yeah, I think it would be. Yeah, I mean, it's it's basically some of the similar stuff, you know, being a catcher and a, go, and a, and a goaltender. So he, I think he made that transition pretty good. Uh, uh, I, have, I have one other Shaq. thing. Did he say Shaq? <laughs> he definitely said Shaq. And I want it. Can we ignore him? Let's ignore him. Uh, <laughs> we gave him the freedom to act like this. Like, no, I'm 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 overruling what we said. We like, spend just one hour a week or two hours a week, I guess, undoing yeah, all of the that door open, man. Each episode has gotten wider and wider. And then Tony yes. gets up more and more. So this is this is yes. y'all fault, man. Like, oh, y'all let this happen. No. I, I bet you're right. Stop paying him. I bet <laughs> if like, we nope, stop like, paying nope, him back, nope. right? Yeah, and the problem is if we stop paying him, we don't know anyone else who could do his job, unfortunately. Evan, no, you're right. What I was about to confess to is that Russ and I spend two hours a week undoing all of the good work that you did kind of bringing him along in adulthood and uh i'm wow. sorry i apologize for that um we're gonna let go but i want i have one other thing i've been wanting to ask you since we have you on 
You used mm-hmm. to be a bouncer. I have no other yeah. friends ever that used to be a bouncer. So I find that very interesting. Um, and you have called being a bouncer your journalism 101. Mm-hmm. And I would be delighted if you would just tell us one great story about being a bouncer. Mm. Wow, there's so many. Like, do you want like racial stuff? Do you want like breaking off fights with women? Do you want like <laughs> me being followed home? Like me being bit, mm. having going to court? Oh, um, <laughs> oh, oh, bit? oh. Uh, I was I was hoping you'd have one that would be funny, but nothing on that menu you just gave me sounded funny. <laughs> funny, dealer's choice, man. You can tell okay, whatever you want. I mean, Give us something. Okay, I'll just like do a couple of uh, stories. How long time do I have? You, you have as much time. Every you time you have to finish these stories, you're good. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'll I'll start off with a funny story. Uh, so, part of the job was like checking restrooms, and sometimes you walk in there and you see someone doing coke, and you know it's like you know I don't judge anybody, but it's like you just really can't do that here. I remember like catching somebody and this guy like lied to me. I'm like, bro, I literally see the coke in your nose right now. Like, don't lie to me. Like, I, you know, like, it was just like, like, no, I'm out with me. It was just like, it was like, you could literally, because he was talking to me, so I could see it. So I'm just like, I could literally see the white stuff all up your nose. Like, you know, I mean, don't lie to me. You know, he, he was like, all right, cool. But, all right, whatever. So he's out. But I guess, like, a, a wild story. Like, okay, um, this involved a, a, a few different, you know, entities. So, um, <clears throat> so I was in the back of the place I worked at, just like hanging out or whatever. And one of the managers, his uh, girlfriend now, you know, wife, mother of his children, she was uh, one of the Windy City Rollers. You're familiar with uh, ra- uh, roller derby and whatever. So, group and then would always come into the bar after one of their. I guess they call it a bottle or meat or something like that or whatever. But so I know this guy like walks up to the table. He's trying to talk to all of them. He's trying his best. Like he's hitting all of them. <laughs> if I know one of them gets up, the head busts the guy. Oh, you know, I'm like, holy, <laughs> I ran over. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like, I ran over there. <laughs> like, hey, wait a minute. Like, what's going on here? And manager comes out of nowhere. He's like, oh, yo, I got it. It's all good. I'm like, all right. So. I don't understand why this part just stole the bar. I'm like, you know, whatever. One last thing I have to worry about. So line passes. I see this guy like haw up, like hits the manager. So I run over there. Whoa. I, I tackle him. I throw him outside. And he's on the street. And I'm like, you gotta go. And like, I'm not going anywhere. And out of the corner of my eye, the bar across the street had just let out. So this is like 2 o'clock, you know, when all those bars let out, everybody's kind of hanging out or whatever. Yeah. So I see maybe four or five of my friends. And this guy's like, gets up, he's in my face. I'm like, you got to go. Somehow he pulls out the phone and grazes my nose ever so slightly. All I needed. I flip them upside down, do them on the ground. And friends are seeing this. They're doing any friends do. They run over there. They think I'm fighting someone. I'm like, nah, this is this is work fight. I got it. It's not really you know, a fight. We get, this, we get this guy on the ground, and one of my coworkers is calling the police. So everyone see me with this guy on the ground. A crowd forms. 
They're like, oh, you're a big guy. You'll uh, let them go. You don't have to do that or anything else. And I'm like, hey, you didn't see what happened. You don't, you don't mind your business, you know? And so one of my coworkers actually holds this guy on the ground. I get up. I'm on the phone with the police. As this guy's on the ground, he grabs my coworker's balls. Because I'm sorry, squeezing <laughs> crap out of him because he's trying to get up, and I'm on the phone with the police. I'm like, crap! So I'm like, stop, stop! You know, like, <laughs> you know, like, like chill. You know, like, you know. So all this happens. Police finally shows up. They get this guy, put him in a squad car, and you know, that's it. You know, but I guess for another story that's kind of like crazy and kind of racist. Uh, so, wow, fits right in with the theme of the show today. One more, I, I've got one for you. Is that the title of this episode? Crazy yeah. and racist. Crazy and racist. Yeah. Did yeah, Evan so, just named the episode? Thanks, Evan. Yeah. <laughs> so this person, um, he's wasted, guys, wasted. He wanders in the women's restroom. I'm like, hey, man, you know, his man's is on the other side. I'll walk with you over there. Let's go. Like, he's like, all right, cool. And he um, goes to the restroom, comes out. Some other stuff happens. We asked him to leave. And on the way out, he like decks one of my coworkers. So I'm like, yo, what's going on here? I talked to this guy outside. He gets up, like, oh, God, and word. Oh. And he's like charging at me. And now the mag class, like, you know, big ones, you know, like this. I'm like, there's not enough time for me to drop this, get in the defensive stance. So clock him. He flies into the street. On the Milwaukee Avenue. So maybe I just gave away where I worked at, but he flies on the street, Milwaukee Avenue. He gets up again, like, I'm word. And this time, Uh-oh. I'm like, all right, got my flashlight. And I don't know, it was like, I remember my heart was beating, a balled up, and it went like, it was like the Thanos punch. It was like, this is for the hand. I don't know, it was like, it was like this is going to be for the ancestors, like Oklahoma, Tulsa. Like, this don't happen. Fly to the street. Cops show up. They uh, they arrest. I tell him what's going on. They arrest this guy. After arresting him, my guy falls asleep <laughs> while in cuffs on the ground. That's a good move. Yeah, I put him. I, mean, I put him to work. I put you know, I put him, I put him to bed. You know, <laughs> I put him to work. <laughs> yeah, I put him to bed. You know, it's not something I wanted to do, but it's like when people you go night night, they think you go around you go looking night, night. Like, like I don't really want to like not to touch and not talk to anybody, honestly. But sometimes that's how it went. Oh man, Evan used to sleep people, bro. <laughs> and, now, and now he's the the esteemed press secretary. Yeah, I was telling people Obama like school. when we did our our clap out at the Sun Times, I was like, man, like I think I'm going full circle. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Uh, do you ever pick jobs that are easy? I try to. Uh, it doesn't sound like you have. <laughs> Yeah, man, like, you know, people were always saying, like, oh, that's a tough job and everything else. I'm like, well, you know, there's times where, you know, being in that field did help with journalism. You talk to so many different people about so many different things. Like, if I didn't deal with some drunk people or, or some gang members, you know, I'm not worried about an athlete or a positive saying something stupid, you know? So that's kind of, you know, where it goes. And, and so... Yeah, I always tell people that's my journalism one-on-one. I mean, when, you know, I started, you know, journalism a little bit later and, you know, a lot of my class classmates had to do man-on-the-street interviews and they struggle with that. With me, that's, that's nothing, you know, <laughs> I was walking to talk right. to somebody. Right. So, so definitely 
Well, something that helped. Uh, Evan, the book from the the first half of it, I should say, to be honest, the first half, the part that I've read, uh, is very impressive. The amount of work that you put into this, the research, um, even I, Russ, he spends a lot of time in here on on the media coverage of hockey, which made me think a lot about how I cover black athletes, sports in general, as a white sports writer. Um, so I really appreciate that. I, I, Tony, mute your mic. Tony, okay. stop talking. I'm trying to tell this man how good his book is and how much I respect because I do. And <laughs> on top of being somebody that whose work I respect, I really enjoy having you on and seeing your personality. And uh, you have you've been a fantastic guest. Thank you, everybody. Go by Game Misconduct by Evan Moore and Josh Vina Shah. Evan Moore, thank you very much for being on with us. Thanks, so appreciate y'all. We enjoy it. Big fan of the show. Glad to be on. Yes, sir. Russ, um, I was out in Vegas covering the Bears game, and uh, Khalil Mack had a huge game. I don't know if you saw. I did. And Eddie Jackson said after the game that Mack made John Gruden regret everything. "Quote unquote." Uh, <laughs> oh, if only he knew. Yeah, John Gruden's got a little bit of a to-do list in the regret department right now. Um, do you remember last week when we were talking about his biggest problem being trying to figure out the weather? Yeah, uh, things have gotten a little been. worse for uh, old Chucky. <laughs> yeah, John Gruden uh, has to resign on Monday evening. Uh, there's been a lot that's happened. Where do we start with John? Because before we get to the resignation that came on Monday, there was a an e- email that came out last week about things he said. Yes. About the the president of the NFLPA, Demora Smith. I made a little right. timeline if you need it. Yes. Okay. Uh, give us the timeline. And this is just what happened. Uh, he made a comment, an obviously racist comment about Demora Smith, an attorney. Michelin, the Michelin, ti- Michelin tire lips. Yeah. I don't know. How do you feel about that? Because I didn't really want to. That's a terrible time for your Wi-Fi to mess up, Jason. <laughs> I think we just lost Jason as he was getting into why calling somebody Michelin tire lips, I believe, was bad. Um, for everybody out there, never, and I repeat, never refer to a black person or anybody as Michelin tire lips. A few moments later. All right, so we we have Jason has returned. Well, I heard Um, once the conversation got into race talk, I just pretended my wireless went out because I got nervous and I didn't want to. (laughs) No, I figured the the funniest part, you're just like, Russ, how how do you feel about how do you feel about Michigan Michelin tire lips? And then you're you just Go silent. Yeah. I'm like, okay. I don't think that's where you want well, to have that thought, sir. No, so it was not. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> I was like, well, damn, Jason. I thought we were friends. <laughs> well, no, I thought it was interesting that you that you repeated the phrase that he said because I was thinking about that going into it, like, and I was thinking, I I guess where I landed on it was I don't want to. You would rather me say than you. I don't want anyone to say it. It was what I was thinking. I and I, but that's what I'm asking you is like, do you feel there's some import there's some value in stripping it bare and putting it out there that instead of like i wanted to talk around it to avoid repeating the whole thing that he said but maybe there's some value in what you did by just putting it out there this is what he said about demora smith i feel comfortable saying that part of it 
The yeah. things that came out in the New York Times on Monday and their article that ultimately led to John Gruden retiring, I don't yeah. feel comfortable saying because there were some outlandish right. homophobic slurs in there that I won't repeat. Russ, right. the timeline I was going through was he, he the, the email leaked about what he said about Demora Smith in an email to somebody else. Uh, then it seemed like he was trying to do damage control by putting out there that he had said some bad things about Roger Goodell as well. Right. So like I offend people of all races. Uh, was his defense, I think, at that point. Uh, then he has a disaster press conference after the Bears game that goes five questions, and he leaves. Uh, very uncomfortable. Uh, and I see that and think that's not really being accountable. Um, and then more emails leak Monday where he's using homophobic language and slurs. And you and I were debating over text. We only had about four minutes to debate this over text, uh, whether yeah. or not this would cost him his job because there, it was that quick before the Raiders and him. I mean, you think he resigned. This isn't exactly resigning. This is writings on the wall. You know what you have to do. Yeah. I, I said the, the New York times article and I said, it's a wrap. You said, I feel you, but it's the Raiders. And then like five minutes later, it's like, oh, well, he resigned. There you <laughs> it go. was very, it was very cool. That timeline was rather quick. Um, but yeah, it, it's just a, uh, another reminder of, you know, the person that people see out in front. Oh, everybody loves John Gruden quarterback camp and ESPN yeah. for all these years. And Oh, Chucky, the entertaining coach on the sideline. Like that's, that's one thing, but the guy that felt comfortable enough not only saying these things, but writing them down in an email going out to other people like that's that's a different person. Uh, And then today, you know, he came out. At his press conference and said, I've learned a lot of different things and shout out to my guy to Sean Reed, who covers the the Raiders for the athletic. (laughs) That's the only one that asked about it. He only was the only one that asked him about it. And and John Groot said, I've learned a lot of things, but I'm not going to rehash it and talk yeah. about it. And then and told him, told Tashaw to let it go. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for bringing that up. And the coaches don't get to dictate the terms, but he did in that room. I listened to the first 10 minutes. I don't know how long he went today, but the first 10 minutes. And I wrote down the topics of the questions. It was offensive line, racist emails, run game, offensive line, offensive line, offensive line, offensive line, quarterback. Uh, and then I think some other personnel question. I mean, sidebar it, that it was ridiculous. He's, he's, I'm happy to talk football. No, 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 John, you don't get to talk football right now. No. You get to talk about these emails, buddy. And by the end Shout of the day, out he's out. I, I, out I agree. I, I don't know him. I've never met him. I'm sure he was at the game Sunday. I, I did. I have not met Sean Reed, but he was, he did the job. He did what any person should do in that job. I, you'd like to think, that kind of press conference wouldn't happen on your beat. I hope that it wouldn't on the beat yeah. that I cover. And I, and I don't think that it would, but uh, Deshaun Reed did proper journalism that day, let alone whatever else you want to credit him for. He did the job that day. And I respect that. Um, John Gruden, I think when you have comments like that come out, I, I don't know how you come back from that from a logistical standpoint. I don't know how you come back and coach your black players after. And now you also have him being the coach of the only openly gay player in the league, Carl mm-hmm. Nassim. 
I mean, I, I don't know how you there, – there is no way that you can – that will always be in those players' mind. And while I like to leave room for people to change and grow, you can't come back from that if you're John Gruden. There's just, there's just no erasing that. There's no way you will ever have respect with players again. It, no, that has done. to cost you that your job. And it costs him, Russ. I mean, this is a guy that signed a 10-year, $100 million contract, and he's in year four. So he's cost himself at least $60 million. The things in those emails that didn't come out, like we only found out, we only found some of it. There's some things in there that didn't come out where he said, I feel bad enough where I have to leave $70 million on the table. Right, like just yeah. just imagine some of the things that were said in there that we don't know about, right? Yeah. And I, I think it was one thing where where you can talk, you can make racist remarks about black people, and that'll give you a, in the world that we live in, eh, get you a slap on the wrist, right? You make homophobic remarks, eh, you're gonna get in some hot water for that too. But then referring to the commissioner as those things that he said in those emails, there is not a job on earth where you can call the person that employs you or the person that oversees your job, any of those things and continue to keep your job. Yeah. It shouldn't have to take that for him to lose his job. Like there were a lot of things before it ever got to the emails that were leaked to, uh, on Monday where you're like, all right, he should no longer be the coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. But then the, after everything that continued to leak out and continued to leak out, it, the investigation wasn't even into John Gruden. Right. That That's the, one of the things. Like, it wasn't even an investigation to him, but by like he was just happened to be. He was in the racism splash zone, Russ. Right, right. And got some racist shrapnel that blew back on him. And look, what, what's done in the dark? What's done in the dark? So, no, it's funny. Tony, no. Don't you, when you start a sentence like that, no. If you have an adult thought on this topic, we'd like to mm-hmm. hear it. But when you start with what's, here's what's funny, neither of us is here for this right now. It's such an old man mistake. <laughs> like doing it over email. <laughs> Like, I mean, not even text. Or if you're going to do this, at least call the guy or have enough sense. But to leave a paper trail like that, like email, it's like, come on, fam. Like, I already know in the NFL, there are a lot of people who are up late tonight going through those emails and those text messages because. I know there's a the the and Jason, you cover the NFL, so you know the culture that's still around even in 2021 in the NFL. And there's a lot of people that have those same thoughts and views as John Gruden that he had 10 years ago, right now. Yeah. Well, 10 years ago too is not like uh, you know, back in the days of segregation. Like not no. not that not really that much has changed in 10 years. No. Like this was still flagrantly inappropriate back then this wasn't where this wasn't this wasn't at a time where and i'm not excusing any of this previous behavior by anyone during this time but it wasn't a time where you could say like hey standards were different back then this was a little more this was in 2011 man do i have the year right this was this was not long ago this was 
at, at a time when this was clearly out of bounds and anybody, to Tony's point, anybody with any sense wouldn't be talking. I mean, you would have to, this would have to really be part of your regular language to be oh, coming no, out in, in written emails in 2011. And to Russ, to your point, like the, the buildup of this, the mountain that forced his hand and the Raiders hand to get him to say goodbye to 60 plus million dollars and right. get Mark Davis to say goodbye to a guy who has been a long time part of that family. Basically a family member, yeah. Yeah. It was that bad that it was something where in the in you know, I don't want to say it happened right away because it didn't last week. No. But the no. buildup of more problems coming out Monday, it did not take long between the time that New York Times story came out and uh John Gruden walking away. I think that story came out at around 715 Central Time Monday. And by 815, he was done. Yeah. Tony, what do you think about this, man? I'm serious. I do want to know what you have to say. I don't want you to make jokes about this. But I do want to know what you what you think now about John Gruden as somebody who, at least if you take him at his word in the sense of that believing him he doesn't want to continue to be this way, but he has said these things. He clearly has felt these things. And, and they were common enough in his language to put him in emails. What do you think of John Gruden now going forward? And what, what, would, what do you want to see from him? Uh, I didn't really rock with John Gruden like that anyway. Um, I don't know. I just didn't think about him much as a character, as a football mind. Um, but honestly, I don't really... When stuff like this happens, it's not surprising to me. Like, I mean, like, it, it would be so surprising if it was like, and I'm not saying if it was Jason, that would be extremely surprising. But for just random, run-of-the-mill, rich, powerful guy, eh, I'm not shocked by that, Russ. I was going to say... You could say, well, he came out and said, I've learned a lot and this and that. I don't think he learned anything because after he resigned today, he put out the statement. I have resigned as head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. I love the Raiders and do not want to be a distraction. Thank you all. Thank you to all the players, coaches, staff and fans of Raider Nation. I'm sorry. I never meant to hurt anyone. End quote. I know by that he hasn't learned anything. Because the first thing you do in a situation like this, you need to apologize specifically to the people groups that were affected by this. You need to apologize to Demarie Smith. Again, I don't care if you did it years ago, which you probably did not. You need to do it right now. My apologies, Demarie Smith. You need to apologize to the LGBTQ community. You need to apologize to the black community for, for the outlandish stuff that you said. And then you need to say that this something like this will never happen again. You don't just get to say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to hurt anybody. But you did. You hurt a lot yeah. of people. Or, or at the press conference being like, hey, I've learned a lot. I don't want to rehash all this. I'm happy to talk football. That's, that's, not, that's not how you apologize. That's not how a person apologizes from their heart. At You're all. Like, Come, on, that's guys. Why- Come on, guys. Enough. Come on, guys. Enough. No. You, you, you take it. 
when you've done something right. like that. And right. and this Russ, is, this isn't a case. This isn't a case of John Gruden kind of. And he he tried to make it like this, I think, because he he said that he also uses the term rubber lips to for people who lie. You know what I mean? Did you catch that in uh, in the stories that came out? I think trying I to kind of mitigate what he had said about Demora right. Smith. And it's like, no, th- this isn't like a joke that you made that you didn't realize had implications or something you said that it was accidental. This is like a this is a pattern of saying things that are clearly racist. Yeah, I there's a common theme that we've seen recently where you understand like people who have said things, have done things. It's not an apology. I'm not sorry because I hurt people. I'm not sorry because I offended people and I want to change. I'm sorry I got caught. Yes. And I'm sorry that I have to face the music and be held accountable for this. Like I know yes. there are a lot of people who are going to come out and say, oh, cancel culture and this and that. Stop. It's idiotic. We're allowed to hold people accountable for the things they're sa- they say. We're allowed to hold people in positions of power accountable, whether it happened today, yesterday, or 10 years ago. If they have not been held accountable for that action, it is the job of us as our jobs in the media to hold those people accountable and hold them accountable to the positions that they, in the, the levels that they hold themselves to. And I just feel like we're in a, a, a time where that has been looked, it's, almost frowned upon to hold people accountable. Like we're supposed to just let things go and say, well, it was 10 years ago. Like who cares? Like, no, because yeah, it happened 10 years ago, but that doesn't mean that those things, you know, he, he not only does he, he coach black players. He now coaches the one actively gay player in the NFL. Right. And as an organization, they stood behind Carl Nassib. That right. means John Gruden and the things that were said in that email would not be something you would. If I'm Carl Nassib, how does that make me feel? Gruden must have broken into a cold sweat when uh, Carl Nassib announced that because I'm sure he knew the kind of language he'd put in emails before. Right. I think his, know, I mean, I think his players would have held him accountable. It's hard, man. This stuff happens quickly. And you sit here and be like, well, why didn't they, why didn't the players intervene or refuse to play on Sunday? And th- this stuff happens quickly. It's hard to make decisions in real time like that about how you react to things. So you have them find this out like Friday evening before a game. I, I think if you give the players enough days, there, there would have been a problem where these guys aren't coming out and working for John Gruden. Anymore. They're not coming out and practicing this week for him. And that would have forced his hand too. Go ahead. Um, I will say this, that I know the type of language that I was using 10 years ago, and it's nowhere near what he was doing. But if somebody wanted to, as a, what was that 10 years ago? As an 18 year old, as a 17 year old, what I was posting about the topics that I would talk about, it wouldn't be me now. Um, now his emails were more recent, <laughs> you know. What 2018? He was still saying some stuff. He, he was probably 50 years old, right? That's what I was gonna say. Tony, but, you were you were a 
child still. I don't care if you're 18 or 17. I get it. You're, but that's a grown man. John I, I don't was, want to make a, was 48 in 2011, Russ. Go ahead. And I don't think he – how does he face the music by leaving and don't have to answer to anybody now? I would almost prefer that he has to go in there with Karnassa, that he has to go in there with those players, that he has to dis- – talk about these things with his team, I feel like that's more of a justice type thing that you have to go answer to the media. Now there's no more. Well, I want to move this along. Now he gets to run away and hide. Now we don't get to see if he's actually on his way to change because he gets to go home and nobody gets to hear from him. And maybe he holds resentment. Maybe his, his blame goes to his mentality is man, if that stupid idiot didn't, get in trouble with his emails, I would still be coaching and trying to win a Super Bowl. Like, maybe he doesn't get in the right frame of mind by learning from this. Whereas if he stays, he has to face the music every week, every day with those coaches, with those players that are playing for him. Um, And I'm not saying, like, it makes his life, you know, easier, but it feels like he still gets away with those things just by sending out a, st- a quick statement on social media and right. going off into the sunset with, with the money millions. that he has made. Right. With I, his I think you're right. I think it'd be fun. I would love it. You know, it, the punishment would fit the crime to watch him sweat out to having to continue to coach the Las Vegas Raiders and bring hard knocks in there too. So we can, um, as John Gruden goes on the uh, Papa John's P90X for racism plan to learn how to stop mm-hmm. saying things like that. Uh, but that, but the part that's not fair about that is is the part that it puts on the players to have to continue to show up, work with, and work for this guy. And I think that's what was untenable here, Russ, is that you can't you can't make these guys keep working for John Gruden. I'm not. If I'm a player, I'm not going to be around that. Like I'm not tolerating that from somebody who's supposed to have my respect because that he doesn't have my respect, and that's that's the biggest thing that you need to have in that room, right? Yes. The, the 53 guys in that room have to have the respect of the head coach and yeah. he would have zero respect from any of them. The other part to answer the, to, to go to Tony's point, I understand what you're saying because it's like, what does somebody learn if now they're just riding off into the sunset? But I think that's where the onus is on the person to indeed change. Like it, if he really wanted to change, there's something that has to happen outside of the NFL, the Raiders, all of that. You have to make a change for yourself and nobody can tell you to do anything else. You got to have your stuff together to be here. You can't work in that out here. You got to want to do it on your own, on your own time without cameras, without people there. And it's going to take some time and everybody's not going to get to see. And on top of that, everybody's not going to forgive you. That comes with the territory of this. Um, On a different level, when my, after Michael Vick, was convicted for dogfighting, went to prison, and came out. He not only apologized, but committed to not only learning, but changing his ways and ensuring that that never happened again. Michael Vick, since that time, has worked with PETA, has worked with the Humane Society, and gone out of his way on his own time, not getting paid when cameras aren't there, to turn and to change his ways in that area. And you know what? People still hate Michael Vick. Like he's still dogfighting. He's not. That guy changed his ways. 
that's what you want to see in a different, obviously a different situation. But like, that's a guy who said, I made a grave mistake and I'll never do it again. And I'm going to go out of my way to change my ways and show people like, hey, that guy who I was back then, I'm not that person anymore. And this is how. And I understand that people are still not going to like me because of what I did. And hey, that comes with the territory and that stinks. But at the same time, there's a lot of people who looked at me in this certain light back then that saw all the work I did over the next seven, eight, nine, ten years and said, you know what, that's that's a changed person. And from everything that I heard from John Gruden over the last couple days in that regard, that's not a guy who's looking to change anytime soon. Not not in the those public comments that we heard in the in the immediacy of it. Definitely not. That's that was defensive and defiant. Uh that was that was just trying to weather the storm. And that's looking out for you. That's not looking to understand the hurt that you've caused and look at how you can repair it. Would you like to hear what we didn't get to on today's show? Um, non-racism division. None of the thing in my rundown here is racism related. We had so much racism. Uh, are you sure? On and we couldn't fit it all. In. Oh, no, I lied. There is actually some That's racism. Saying, only a smidge. Russ, only a smidge. A Just a touch of racism. racism. Just a pinch. A of racism. If you're making a stew, you would barely taste the racism part of the stew. <laughs> That's coming up. Uh in baseball news, uh, it turns out that our Tony is not the most frustrating Tony in Chicago. Tony Larusa is having quite a week. He uh, is. First he, first, he steered the White Sox bull into a ditch uh, with the bullpen, and uh, everyone's been killing him for that, Tony. And now, Tony Gill reads. Tony with glasses here, ready to read. The first time he's read the email, I said, what he's supposed to read. He never... From Russell reporter Russell R. Dorsey of the Chicago Sun-Times. <laughs> Regardless of which relievers are used, giving up a combined five runs and seven hits in the postseason can't happen. It's the job of a manager to put those relievers in a position to succeed. And when the Sox needed it the most, Larusa didn't know. Didn't do it. Gosh, Tony, you just murdered that, honestly. Stuck the landing. I wrote it way better in the, the Sun-Times and Tony just read it. So go, go and read it. But I Speaking appreciate of, you giving me a plug for once on the podcast. I have so much enjoyed your coverage of baseball over the past week. It's been a, uh, a revelation to me. You're, hey, I've you actually had a lot of fun. I've actually You're a pretty had a good writer. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, really good. Good. it's like somebody writer, pays dude. me to do this. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, God. Look at my friends complimenting me for once. This feels good. Let's do this more yeah. often. <laughs> read more me <laughs> read some more me on my is, is there an audio version of your writing that i can check out i can just, just read you, i can read my stories to you tony if you would like there's probably uh, a it would be that, would, click that it reads it to you yeah right it'd be like your segment but like much clearer yes mm. and the words would be read correctly like the right <laughs> words that it said uh it's with our two tonys here tony gill tony larusa uh tony larusa pitched a very tony gill like idea of how to prevent sign stealing. 
he revealed this week. Back when he worked for Major League Baseball's offices, he pitched. He was joking about it, I think, this week, but he was serious at the time when he pitched it and still seriously thinks it's a good idea that the runner on second base should have to turn around and face center field when the catcher puts the signal down, Russ. Not unlike what you do when you're playing hide-and-seek. <laughs> I, Ain't I no way, boy. I Ain't no way, boy. <laughs> Ain't no Tony, way, boy. <laughs> the funny part is I, the the full part of that. You're not gonna cuss, but the with the cuss word in there is funnier. But uh, I couldn't believe that he said that at the post uh, the press conference talking about you should have the runner face center field. The bigger story is that Ryan Tapera, out of nowhere, unprovoked, said that the Astros were cheating again. It's not unprovoked. It's never unprovoked with that team. Well, you can't I, say I it's get, unprovoked. I get I get that the Astros have been found cheating before two seasons ago. We Won were a championship doing it. I agree. I get it. I get it. I understand. Cheated we better were, than anyone but the Patriots. Got it. Cheated. Jason, I got it. We we're in the postgame. After game three, Sox win, and it's late. It was a four-hour game. It's around almost 1 a.m., and Ryan Sapir is the last person we get, and he just comes in and says, you know, we had a lot of success tonight. It's crazy considering, like, you know, we were at their place. It was a lot Mm -hmm. different. They weren't striking out that much. Like, you you never know. And then the last question, the last question of the press conference, dude was just like, hey, uh, Ryan, are you saying that there's still some cheating going on with the Astros. At that point, any normal person would say, no, nah, I'm not saying that. Or like he had an out. He said, he basically was just like, yeah, I said it. Maybe yeah. cheating. I'm yeah, going to read it question. for you. It's not like me. <laughs> no, it was, it was, I, I'm assuming it was one of the, uh, one of the Houston writers asked and very specifically said, Hey Ryan, are you saying that, you think there's still something shady going yeah. on. Yeah. And yeah. I'm going to read the Ryan Tapera quote. They've obviously had a race, a reputation of doing some sketchy stuff over there. Yeah. We can say yeah, it's a little bit of a difference. I think you saw the swing and misses tonight compared to the first two games at Minute Maid. I saw. And then he they put up five in like three. Mm. He ended, he ended by saying, <laughs> he ended by saying, I don't want to make that the story though. Good job, Ryan. Now everybody wrote about it today. Congrats! You can't. Just I'm still. Accuse- I'm still waiting for what your point is because I think he. I think he has a point. I think Ryan Tapera has a point. Can I be honest? <laughs> I kind of rock with how. I kind of rock with how Houston goes about their business. The cheating. You're pro cheating. Yeah. Of course you're it's pro a, cheating. It's an. It's an accusation at this point, guys. Like this is not. There's been nothing confirmed. It's just I mean, an accusation I'm, at this point. Yeah, but yeah. I like pulling at the thread. I like pulling at the thread on this one. Yeah. If they are, I mean, they're be- they're the best. To ever do it, there's no evidence of that right now. I mean, so, yeah, back, is, obviously they they've been found out, but like I'm right now, they there's no evidence. So it was just a, I, I've I low key became a fan of Houston after that. Russ has gone into journalist mode and he's done it at the worst possible time with the wrong. I li- I'm literally covering. I'm literally with covering the wrong that people. You, you've done this with the worst audience you could have found because I'm you have you have me sitting there like conspiracy theorist Ryan Tapera truther. And you have Tony over there saying, I like the trash cans and the microphones and the beepers and whatever. Oh, that was fire. Very interesting. <laughs> Push the game forward, baby. We're uh, we're recording this during the White Sox-Astros series, and then it will come out afterward. 
So just in case we don't get a chance to come back around to this before we publish, before we release this episode, uh, I just want to say I told you all along that the Sox would lose in embarrassing fashion to the Houston Astros three games to one. Do you have any White Sox that you want to get in, Russ, or no? I'll take that as a no. We're coming, we're coming back and recording if one way or the other, because I hate the little section portion for that. We did not re-record, and it was placed in anyway. Russ, I promised Continue you with bit, the rundown. I, I promised you a bit of racism in the rundown, and we have it, of course. Courtesy <laughs> you? of... Are you going to be no, racist? No, 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 no. <laughs> Jim... Jim Cott. Uh, this is another one where it's like, I don't know that we should repeat what he said, and not because... I, not because we can't, but it's like, should we? Should that get repeated? Should more people hear that? If you hadn't already heard it, um, what do you think? I'm gonna I, go I'm ahead not gonna and say it. For, I, listen, and you shouldn't. As one of the whites, I don't think you should what repeat what we said. <laughs> so it, during Game One of the ALDS between the Astros and White Sox, Yoan Mankata, White Sox third baseman, very talented player, was at the plate, and the analyst Buck Showalter. Jim Cott, they were trying to compliment Mankata on, on the talent that he had. Mm-hmm. Show Walter was saying the first time I saw him, I said, Can I have can we have one of those? Referring to the first time he saw him play. Jim Cott, 82-year-old Jim Cott responds, Can we get a 40-acre field full of them? Mm. <laughs> referring to Mankata. And I tweeted about it that day. Yeah. And there's not a good day, for the There's some. There's so many things for me. Like I'm one of a l- literal handful of black people that cover the sport. Right. Yes. And it's I don't want to you. have that matters to. Well, it matters to baseball. Like it, it shouldn't be a handful. But like I don't want to have to comment on things like this all the time. But when foolishness like this comes up, I have to say it. Like. I can't just let that fly. Nobody should let it fly. But especially me, like, you got to be able to point that stuff out and be like, yo, this is unacceptable. Yeah. Holding people accountable. Yeah. But I couldn't believe on the national broadcast, bros really said he was needed to get a 40 acre field full of Yoan Mankatas. A 40 acre field full of Yoan Mankatas. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's no de- there's no defending that he should have been off the air the next in the next commercial break. That, and then it came back with the terrible mid inning apology followed yes. by an ad read. I was trying to compliment him. Tony Tony's still falling over in his chair from laughing so hard about this. You know how much Tony loves racism. It tickles him. Tony, can you come back? Can you come back to the show? Do you mind? Are you okay? That's what he said, Tony. I promise. That's what he said. That's Tony's new favorite broadcaster. That's his and comedian, apparently. Tony has not stopped laughing for two minutes since you told him that. Tony. You can't say that. Tony, I agree with you. I'm with you. You can't say that. Tony, this was on the national broadcast. Mid at bat. His childhood crept back up on him. Jim Cott is 82 years old. Um, <laughs> Tony, you can't do that now, sir. 
Tony, Tony, Tony. Reel it in, brother. When Jim Cott made his major league debut with the Washington Senators. I knew it would be. I knew when you started that sentence, I knew it was going to be a team that didn't exist anymore. I knew it. It was during Jim Crow. 1959 at the age of 20 years old. But that's flagrant, brother. That is flagrant. Yeah, I feel like anybody that was sentient during the those eras need to be constantly having to take a test. Like every week, <laughs> you go have to take a class. If you're 60, 70, 80, and you still want to work in the public sphere, making mm-hmm. public comments, and you're which of these things matters, are acceptable? You it's like uh, you, you have this every Tony, week. Tony, you have like a. Uh, like a DMV of racism, like you have to renew your yes. your your non-racist license. Yes. yes. Which one of these things can I not say on air? Right. I'm actually why, with Tony. Why usually, can't usually, we say that? usually I get mad at Tony's uh, suggestions, but he might have a point with this one. We not putting nobody on air that would fail the the DMV of racism test. If Tony if, ran a network, you benefit him. It's not a bad idea directly. From that era, you need to be constantly questioned and before you put, turn on a microphone. A 40 acre field full of Yohan Mankatas. Yeah, there's there's no way that you can frame that. The like, imagery, oh, I kind of understand. No, there's nothing no. about no. the imagery. Nope. nope. Oh, my gosh. Should have been a wrap that day. Um. Would you like some news that will cheer you up, Russ? <laughs> Please. This damn shows. I'm down, man. <laughs> Help we me never, in the listener. Yes. J.R. Smith debuted for the North Carolina A&T golf team by shooting a 10 over 81, which for those of you that don't know, that's pretty good. That's the, for an average person playing golf. That's pretty good. And he it, he qualified for the tournament that he's playing in. He didn't just get in there because he's J.R. Smith. Uh, not that's. I don't think it's a bad start to his second career. No, but look, I'm happy for Jr. Jr. is just like a happy-go-lucky dude. Like, hey yes. man, I just want to try some stuff. Uh, he finished 81st out of 84 players at that Invitational. Not to mention, Jr. Smith's 35 years old. Like, it's not like he's some young kid out there. Yeah, that is a supreme I don't love that part. I, I like him trying to play golf, but I don't love him playing on the college team. I feel like just try to, you know, make the cut in some open tournaments and stuff like that with the other adults. Well, he didn't get uh, the opportunity to. Yeah, to I know. I know. I know. It's a technicality, that's, but I mean, he's an adult. Come on. That's that's my point. Could he play for the basketball team since he never went to college and he's already playing a college sport? He wouldn't be considered an amateur in basketball. In basketball. Right. He's considered and, an amateur in golf. And trust he, me, he Tone, if there, if there was a loophole for that, though, he would have already taken it by now. Or football. He never played football. Well, I think anything other than basketball, he's probably fine because he Correct. didn't go to college. So he oh, LeBron's got to go back. Like all those guys that didn't go to college or didn't finish college, they got to go back and do another nah, sport. man. You take one hit, it's a wrap. Yeah. After not taking a hit for 15 years, you're not taking a hit nowhere. I think I think J.R. Smith has a shot here, though. I think he does because he's got pro athlete talent. He knows mm-hmm. the work that it takes to be a professional athlete. I know both of those, his talent and his 
work ethic are both in a different sport, but I think that some of those things translate and transfer to other sports. And he's, you said he's 35, 36. Yeah. I mean, 35. that's, that's not old in terms of golf. That'd no. be old. It, if I wanted to start, uh, you know, from scratch right now, trying to play baseball or football or something like that, but he's already in pro athlete shape and on the young side for golf. And I, I, I'm just happy that like Jr. you can tell he's really enjoying like being in college. Like he, he'd be tweeting about, dang, man, I got to write this report. <laughs> you can tell he's bothered, but you can also tell like he's really enjoying that, that part that he missed before going pro. So, uh, nah, that's cool. That is a, a very feel good story in our episode full of not feel good. Yes. Uh, back to the not feeling good. Um, the chiefs are not right. The most fun okay. team that I've seen probably my entire life, the most fun team to watch the Kansas city chiefs. They're not, they're not right. And you're, you're too late in the season now going into week six to keep saying that it's early. It's early. Like there, there's a problem there. They, uh, they are two and three with a minus nine point differential. They are giving up the most points in the NFL. They were 11th in that category last year and seventh the year before when they won the championship. Mahomes has six interceptions already, which is the most he's had in a season for an entire season since 2018. He had six all of last year, five all of the year before. He's already got six in the first five games. What do you think is wrong with the Chiefs other than, uh, yeah, what do you think is wrong with the Chiefs? It's I don't, I don't think people realize how hard it is to like be the best every year, year in and year out, and not only be the best, but be expected to be the best all the time. And I think we hold those like, teams like the Bulls of the 90s and the Yankees of the early thousands and the Miami the Heat, Heat yep. you know, the Lakers of the early that like I don't think we give those teams enough credit. Like it's really hard to be that good that consistently and it it not is. only be that good, but to be expected to be that good and meet the expectations. Like I think that's we don't give those teams enough credit for going out there being expected to be that great and achieving those goals. So I think the Chiefs are just realizing like how hard that is and how sometimes everything don't go your way. Like they have, a, I understand they have a lot of injuries too, but Patrick Mahomes is the first time he's had a, a some struggles in his career. So they're gonna have to feel, figure that out. You hit on exactly what I was thinking. Hang on, I'll come back to you in a second, Tony. I just want to acknowledge the point that he made because you hit on exactly what I was thinking, Russ, about – and I immediately thought of the 90s Bulls and the 10-year-ago Heat where you're expected to win the championship every year, and, and that is the only success for you. Yeah, that everything is else is a failure. The only successful outcome is a championship. And we, I don't think we see this in football a lot because I don't think this really happened with the Patriots even. But you're at a point where the Warriors went through this too, where there is fatigue and there is some struggle that comes with mentally playing through a whole season knowing that it all that matters is that you win the championship. And they went through it last year where they play the whole season. It's on, only about winning the Super Bowl. They're, everything else is failure including losing the Super Bowl, which they did, which was failure. And that one loss undoes everything they've done. That, that wears you out mentally. I don't think we usually get into that in football where the regular season is such a, a droning, kind of tedious, monotonous thing because football always has that drama and buildup of every week, one game a week. It's so huge. I, I don't remember thinking this about a football team ever, but I am thinking it here where it has kind of worn them down, whether it's fatigue, complacency, 
frustration. It's hard to play your whole season and get through the first, you know, these, these week five games or whatever, uh, knowing that nothing matters unless you win the championship. Go ahead, Tom. Um, yeah, a couple of things. Like, I think we used to think that way until Brady came. And now Brady is the standard for all that is winning and greatness in that sport. And every other quarterback is going to be compared directly to him. Well, you didn't win as much as him. Whatever the reason, whatever roster constraints, whatever the organization was, no matter how good you are, Aaron Rodgers, you didn't win as much as this guy. It's that that's the case Uh, for Mahomes. I wrote a a column at the last Super Bowl that like he needs this one, man. This one, he needs this one if he wants to catch Brady. This is like this is a big game here. Yeah. And what I'm in, I'm kind of enjoying. I love Patrick Mahomes. I love watching the Chiefs play football. It's very appeasing to the eyes. I'm just liking, I always love the chess matches strategically in football when somebody else seems to have separated themselves from the pack, Um, which makes Brady's thing like all the more like awesome to watch is that he's able to adjust and is smart with how he plays football. Teams are just wanting, are just taking away the big play from the Chiefs. And they're like, you're going to take 15 plays to do what you need to do instead of three. And we're just going to take our chances with that. And the Chiefs haven't really adjusted to 15 play, you know, 18 play drives. They're used to the big play and they get impatient. So I'm enjoying the the chess match that goes on when teams play uh, the Chiefs. And they got to adjust. Before it's too late, they got to adjust. And I think they will adjust. Uh, speaking of football and quarterbacks, by the way, Russ, Justin Fields, next two weeks, he will be going against Aaron Rodgers and then Tom Brady. Uh, the, uh, the singer, Megan Trainer and her husband revealed that they have side-by-side toilets installed in their bathroom so they can be together all the time, Russ, even in the Wiz Palace, as I like to call it. They even pooped once together. Tony? And now... Tony Gill reads. Yeah, guys, Tony Gill with glasses is back, ready to talk about uh, using the restroom with your significant other via Megan Trainor. The glasses are extremely crooked. They're askew. To clear things up, we pooped once together and we laughed and said, never again. But he will hang out with me if I'm peeing. I guess there was an emoji there. Because we soulmates, and I legit miss him when I'm away from him. And we pee together, Abby. The emoji was a poop emoji. Oh, sorry. If you'd read um, that before the show, you could have asked. Russ, what do you think? You believe in true love. How about this? You think you'll ever find one that you want to uh, sit on the toilet next to? We need to stop asking people with money questions. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people are uh, defending this and saying that uh, you should be comfortable enough with your partner or significant other to do this. It's healthy. They say it's the ultimate ultimate sign of trust. Yeah. I don't don't think it's healthy that you need to be together that badly. Uh, If that's, if that's true love, I haven't found it. And I think that uh, I I don't think I ever want to love somebody that much that I have to do. Uh, I don't don't think I want to of a significant other. (laughs) You have a whole wife, bro. Yeah, we don't need side by side toilets though. I, I don't. I'm with, I don't I'm think, with that. I'm with that. My, my wife doesn't want me to love her that much. That we need to be together, even during that. Nor should you. I think she's comfortable with the amount that I love her that falls short of the love that uh, Megan Trainer and her husband have. And finally, Russ, 
An eight-year-old cat in Great Britain ran away from home by hitching a ride in a grocery delivery van. The cat was free for 10 days, and I say free, even though uh, that you know they don't put up signs like, hey, free cat, help us catch it again. I believe the cat would describe itself as free and enjoying life uh, since it chose to run away. But it was free for 10 days before her owners tracked her down pretty much the same way you would track down a cell phone that you left in the back of an Uber. Uh, they, they, they had a hunch that this is how the cat escaped, which I'm very curious how they even started their investigation with that thought. But the company, Tesco, the grocery delivery company over there in Great Britain, uh, went back through that driver's route to find out the stops that it went on that day. And the cat was found next door to the next place that I think the driver made the delivery or one of the places the driver made the delivery later that day. Uh, the owner of the cat, Sarah Burroughs, said we were absolutely devastated when uh, when the cat away. Luna is the cat's name. Uh, she's a member of the family, and you don't give up on your family, end quote. Russ, could you imagine treating a cat as a family member? Absolutely not. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Sports Adjacent. I pray that all our lovely loyal listeners made it to this week's episode. You got to stop know, saying that. It was good. It was good. Evan Moore was on here. He was being, great. Being good we is talked not about what stuff, I think We talked about stuff that wasn't fun, but I think we had a good conversation about it. I'm not. You didn't let me finish. I didn't say it wasn't good. I just you said it's happening on our show. I'm not crapping on our show. I'm just well, saying. Well, it felt that way, okay? It Jason, me. It, I it gave you your feelings. time. It's my time now. Tony, do hurt feelings, Jason. Mad that Russ keeps crapping on the show at the end of it. <laughs> Please. Hey, guys. Good crapping on the show. All right? There it is. You did a great job here. Everybody put in their hard work and effort. Come I don't on, agree Russ. With, be a team player. I don't agree with the whininess, but I do agree with what he said. No, that's exactly what I hear when you yell at me about that. Um, We appreciate everybody out there for listening we want to thank our guy evan moore for coming on please get his book game misconduct uh it is awesome by the time you listen to it it will have been released you can get it wherever books are sold amazon barnes and nobles all that good stuff um great dude please support our guy um if you want to buy shirts from our collection or any shirt that they have at obvious shirts visit obviousshirts.com use promo code adjacent 10 you get 10% yeah. off and free shipping. We're excited. We have another uh, really excited partnership coming up next week. We're excited to tell you guys about that. Anything else I'm missing before I let the fine people go? That's good. We'll see you next Thursday. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to Sports Adjacent with Jason Leisure and Russell Dorsey. Be sure to download, subscribe, and give the podcast five stars. You can check out the latest episode of Sports Adjacent on all digital streaming platforms. I'm very much adjacent. For a couple hours, I thought I was hood. But then all that happened, I was like, you know what, James? You adjacent to the mother Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.